Hey, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast, one of the many places that we love to declare Jesus. We see you and your life living a life of resilient faith for all of your days, and we believe that listening to this message is going to be part of strengthening your faith journey. Enjoy the message. Today, I want to continue a little bit, honestly, on where we were last week. Oh, sorry, I got my stuff messed up. Like I'm even going to use these. They're my safety net. I need them to be here. Just It's like my safety blanket. I wanted to continue on where we were last week. Last week, we talked from John 15 on the idea that every fruitful vine he prunes and that every fruitful vine he cuts away to prepare for more fruitfulness. And as I stepped into this week and began just praying and asking God, I just, I felt like God kept saying to me, well, I'm, not, I'm not quite done with that yet. I want to dig into that at another level, and I want us to circle around it again. And then as I kept going through my week, I kept hearing from different ones of you the way that that word impacted you and the way that God was speaking to you through that word. So at the beginning of this month, at the start of a Sunday in a brand new month, I would just want to lean into it a little bit more. I love beginnings of new months. I love beginnings of new things. I mean, how good is something new? How good is a fresh start to go after something? How good is the feeling of being able to go? There is something for I love. That's why we love new car smell. It's why we love our new shoes that we got at Christmas time. It's why uh, when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he said, Behold, the new has come. There's something about new things and something about beginnings, the beginning feelings of a fresh relationship and the beginning feelings of starting that fresh new job and the beginning feeling of a crisp new journal with blank pages that you're getting ready to feel. There's something about beginnings that just feel, fill us with the best feeling and all of the sparkle and all of the butterfly and all of the anticipation and all of the excitement. But Ecclesiastes, our wisdom literature, if you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and starting in verse 8, Ecclesiastes says something very different. It says, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the hearts of fools. So say not, why were the former days better than these days? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Ecclesiastes says to us, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Better is the conclusion of something than the start of something. And for all my excited feelings and for all my anticipation and for all of the ways that I love to begin, Ecclesiastes, when they sit down to write, here's the wisdom from the end of my days looking back and trying to say to you what I think life is like and all of my wonderings. And it says, but what I've learned is better is the end of something. Better is the way that we, and pruning if you remember, we talked about John 15 where it says every fruitful vine he prunes. Pruning 
is the end of a thing. Pruning is saying it is the end of this line. It is the end of this idea. It is the end of this relationship. It is the end of something that is no longer fruitful in your life. But we don't want to see an ending. We want to see a beginning. We don't want to see something finish. We want to see something start. There's a way that we don't quite grasp the idea that better. There is something about endings that tell us about beginnings. If I went around and I asked you, oh, have you seen this new movie? Nine times out of ten, you're going to respond to me something like this. I really liked the movie. I loved the way they ended it. Or you're going to tell me, ah, I thought the movie was pretty good, but they kind of ruined it with the ending. The ending of something tells us about the beginning of something. I can't fully grasp and I can't fully understand. I can't fully judge the beginning of this thing until I've seen the ending. The ending of it tells me what it was about the beginning that was actually valid. It tells me what it was about the beginning that I didn't see. There are tidbits in the beginning that I didn't know were relevant until I saw where this was going, until I saw where this was ending. There are flags that were at the beginning that I didn't realize were red flags until I saw the way that the relationship concluded. There are things that we can't wrap our minds around and can't understand until we grasp that the ending is important and the ending has value. In fact, the ending is required for the beginning that I'm hoping to walk into. Every fresh beginning necessitates an ending. I have to end the last thing in order to walk into the new thing. What am I saying? My singleness has to die for me to walk into dating. And my dating has to die for me to walk into engagement. And my engagement has to die for me to walk into being a newlywed. And my newlywed has to die for me to walk into being a parent. And my parenting of toddlers has to die for me to walk into parenting teenagers. And my parenting of teenagers has to die, this is a big one, for me to walk into being a parent to adults and having a healthy adult-child relationship. It is necessary for every former season of my life to die in order for me to walk into the next new beginning that I desire. Part of our issues and part of our holdups are that we have not let the former thing die and yet we're trying to walk into the next thing, the new thing, the fresh thing. And instead of saying it's a season for some punctuation in my life, this is not a time for an ellipsis. 
This is not a time for a comma. This is a time for a full stop moment in my life. I need to end what was. I need to add a new paragraph. I need to flip a page into something fresh because that thing has to die if I'm going to walk into the new thing that God has for me and the new place that you're ready to grow into and the new season of fruitfulness. Part of our problem is we won't end old things and so we just keep stacking up new seasons. We just keep trying to carry everything all at the same time because we haven't learned that better is the end of a thing. It's time to come out of college and into adulthood and into your next season. Put some punctuation on it. Celebrate the ending. Close the chapter and move forward into the new. What did we learn about pruning? Pruning has to happen in order to cut away the things that are sucking energy from the energy and the life that is moving through the vine into places of fruitfulness. If pruning doesn't happen, the dead thing, the old thing, the former thing will continue to suck energy and life in its direction, robbing and starving the new thing and the fresh thing of the energy and of the life and of the vitality that it needs to nourish your future. The problem is not that you don't have fresh things in your life. The problem is not that there is not new for your future. The problem is not that there is not fruitfulness yet for you to come. The problem is you won't let go of the former thing. The problem is the last thing in your life is still sucking energy from you, not allowing the new thing to get the energy that it needs to grow and to flourish. And so instead, everything in your life is just mediocre. Everything in your life is just kind of getting by. Everything in your life is just underneath the surface. And this thing keeps pulling you back. And this thing keeps drawing you back. And this thing keeps taking all the energy. And this thing keeps reminding you of what was. And this thing keeps taking you to who you used to be. And this thing keeps taking. It's time to let the program grow. It's not working anymore. It's time to let the business die. It's not flourishing anymore. It's time to let the relationship go. It's not part of your future anymore. Let it go. Put some punctuation there and get down on the inside of you that better is the end of a thing. It's a season for some endings. It's a season for letting some things go. But why don't we let things go? Why won't we put the punctuation on? I think one of the reasons is because we see them as failures. We see that if we let something go, it must mean that I failed. And it's hard to let go when we see it as a failure. If I end this thing, I've failed somehow. And we think that our failing is connected to our value. We believe that our failing is connected to our identity. How can I say that I have stopped it? 
How can I say that I have quit it if I believe that stopping or I believe that quitting is a mark that I have somehow failed in this space? And so we keep trudging on and we keep digging away and we keep sending energy in the direction of something that is no longer flourishing and is no longer giving us life and is no longer part of our future and no longer producing fruitfulness. But because we believe that to say that's enough, it's time for a full stop moment in my life is somehow a mark of failure. We just keep digging away instead of knowing how to say that was good for when it was good, but its season has ended. That was fine for when it was fine, but its season has come to an end. Instead of knowing how to say, hey, I tried something and it didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. And I learned something on the way, but it's time for it to end. We just keep pushing away because our ego won't let us say, better is the end of this thing. And we don't know how to move forward in health. Many of us do not know how to end something in a healthy manner. The only way we know how to get out is to throw emotional grenades in something and self-sabotage and let that bad boy blow up so big and so bad that it is apparent that an end must come. And so in the wake of our life, we have dead bodies and rubbled cities and broken relationships and shattered everything behind us because we never learned how to say to ourselves, you know what? It's just better that this ends now. It's better to end something. We don't know how to move our lives forward in health. We only know how to self-sabotage in such a way that we have to move out of something, that we have to break the relationship. So many of the behaviors that we see in people's lives of addiction, of things of ruining relationships, of stepping out on their spouses are simply because they didn't know how to look at the pressures of their life and say, It's time to cut some things back now. It's time for me to release some of the areas of my life that are no longer fruitful for me, that are producing pressure on my life that is no longer giving me the things that I need to move forward. They are places where they have only learned how to get out of something by self-sabotaging in a way that causes other people to say, it's time for you to move out of this place instead of looking... Every relationship that you have ever been in is not toxic. It's possible to look back and just say, you know what? It was good for a while. And then it was the end of it. Every friendship in your life is not until you walk home into eternity. And because we don't know how to end something in a healthy way, we think we have to now start talking bad about that person and villainizing who they are and talking about how unhealthy they are and talking about every negative trait that they have and making them out like they are the monster in the relationship and I just had to get away from them for what the Lord has for me next. First of all, maybe it was you. 
second of all, it doesn't have to be that it was horrible. Why can't we look back and say, that was an awesome relationship? And then it came to its end. Every workplace you've ever worked in is not toxic. There were good people there, and it provided for you, and it grew you, and you learned things in it, and then it came to its end. And so in health, we can say, it's been a good five years, and now it's my end. Now it's time for me to say better is the end of this thing. Everything that used to be in your life was not the worst thing that you've ever been through. But we don't know how to look back on things and say it was good for a while and then it was the end of it. And so we have to move into every future season of our lives and we begin spoiling our future season because we come into it talking all of the negativity of our last season instead of coming through it and saying, God brought me through something thing that was good for a while. Do not come in here telling me bad things about your last church. Every church in this city is not a horrible place to be. In fact, I know most of the pastors at many of them, and they are incredible, life-giving, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching churches. They are awesome, and they are incredible places to be. And occasionally, God says, I want to move you. <laughs> Thank you for the echo, Sean. Not as frequently as y'all like to move. But when you come in here, I am not going to hear from you how horrible they were and how they wouldn't use your gift and how no one saw you and how you don't like the way they do groups and how you don't like the praise and worship there and how you don't like the teaching there and whatever, whatever, whatever. Because it wasn't horrible, you just needed to leave. It was just time to say, better is the end of a thing and to move forward in health. And part of the reason we don't know how to move forward and we can't acknowledge that better is the end of a thing is because we miss what God is trying to form in us in the midst of our ending. God is trying to do something in you. It's not about them, and it's not about the circumstance, and it's not about all of the other things that we want to put the blame on. It's about what is God doing in me in this season. But we see endings as something to be endured and as something to be avoided at all cost instead of seeing them as something that we can embrace and wrap our arms around and walk into and say, God, you are forming me in this sea. I feel that you are ending something in my life and that you are starting something in my life, God. God, I can tell that there's an ending coming in my season. When we started the fast, we were, I don't know, maybe four or five days into it. Bill and I were talking, hey, how's your fast going? What do you feel like God's doing in you? What's happening in it? And I told him, I said, I don't know how to describe this. 
one of the ways, there are many ways and reasons that we, um, that we participate in fasting. And one of the ways, actually one of the most frequent ways we see in Scripture, which I think is ironic because it's one of the least celebrated ways in our current moment in culture, is that people participate in fasting as a form of grief and as a form of mourning. It happens all throughout Scripture that you'll see that they went into a time of fasting and of seeking God as an expression of the mourning and of the grief that they were going through. And I told Phil, I said, I don't know how to describe this, but I'm grieving some things, and I, I don't know what I'm grieving yet. But I can feel that God is separating some things in my life from where I was into where I'm going. I can tell that some things are ending in my life. And our tendency as people is to go, ooh, that's uncomfortable. Oh, that's kind of painful. And back up from it and avoid it. Or at best, go, I'm just going to buckle down and wait till this thing passes. And I'm just going to endure it until I get all the way on the other side of it. But I beg you to instead look and go, what is God forming in me? God, what is it about this ending that you are trying to do in me, there is something that you want for me in my future that isn't quite part of who I am right now. What is it that you are forming in me? I have three questions I think you can ask. If you know God is causing an ending to happen in your life and some punctuation to begin coming into your life, the first one is simply, God, what are you doing in me? to slow down and ask the question, God, I feel an ending happening in my life. What is it that you are doing in me right now? God, show me what it is you're moving me into. God, show me what you're trying to form in me. God, let me, I, I don't want to avoid this because it's uncomfortable. And I don't want to just endure this because it's painful, God. I want to embrace what's happening in this moment. I want to stand with my arms open wide in surrender and say, God, what is it? When I come through this ending, what is it that you are doing and forming in me? God, what are you removing from my life? And what are you adding to my life? What is it, God, that you are taking out of me? And what is it that you are placing into my life in this season? Often the things that he removes from us are pointing to us to places where we need to find a greater level of dependence on him. God removes a relationship from your life or he removes a job from your life and you find out it wasn't about the relationship and it wasn't about the job. It was about the fact that you saw that job as your source or you saw your work ethic as your source rather than adding into that a deep reliance on who he is, a deep dependence on who God is. I know that what has been formed in me in seasons of in-between is knowing that God is always faithful. 
come into a room like this and somebody says, God, he's been faithful through and through. And hundreds of people say, yes, he has. He's been so faithful to me. Guess what? They didn't learn that he was faithful in their mountaintop moments. They didn't learn that he was faithful when everything was sunshiny and rainbows in their life. They learned that he was faithful when they found themselves crying on the floor saying, God, how did I come to this place? God, what is going on with my baby? When they found themselves saying, God, you can see what's coming into this bank account and it doesn't make any sense in terms of what needs to come out of it. God, what is going on with the diagnosis I just received? God, what is going on with my spouse. They seem like they're acting crazy. They didn't find out that he's faithful in their mountaintop moments. They found out he was faithful when they were all the way at the end of the end, all the way crying on the floor like Job who found himself covering himself in ashes and scraping away with broken pieces of shells. Have you ever felt like all you had left is the broken pieces of your former days and the ashes of what was left on the ground and you just find yourself sitting in it saying God it seems like you left me and God it seems like you forgot me and God it seems like you don't know who I am anymore my life was built on what you provide for me and my life was built on everything being good and my life was built on mountaintop moments I've known you as the God of my mountaintop but in an ending you find out he's the God of your valley as well You find out he's the God that comes down in the midst of the pit with you and says, I was always here and I saw you when you thought nobody was looking and I was with you when it sounded like nobody could hear you and I came and sat beside you and I wanted you to know that I'm drawn to the brokenhearted and I'm near to those who are hurting and I'm near to those who are lonely and maybe your life doesn't look great right now and maybe your life doesn't look like you hoped it would and maybe this ending is painful and maybe it's hurting on the inside and maybe it feels like brokenness and maybe it feels like you'll never get back up again but I want you to know that I'm doing something in you and I want you to know that I'm with you right in the midst of it and I want you to know that I'll never leave you or forsake you that I sent a comforter to be with you in every season of your life and you just had to find out that sometimes I need a comforter And God, what are you removing from my life? What self-reliance are you taking out of me right now? And what are you adding into my life? And then take time to confess the loss and grief that you are experiencing. We run past this moment. I don't mean confess it in the sense of it's a sin. There is the confession of sins that leads to repentance and then leads to wholeness. I mean, confess it as in pour it out before God. God, I can feel that you're ending this thing. And I want you to know that I'm sad. I thought my life was moving in a certain direction. And when I looked in my future, God, I saw certain things. And I wanted certain things. And I can feel that you're ending that. And that you're telling me not to trust in my own thing. And not to trust in my own strength. But you're calling me to lean. And God, I just want you to know that that hurts. I want you to know that I'm grieving what I thought this was going to lead to. 
God's not afraid of your pain. And he's not afraid of your loneliness. And he's not afraid of your sadness. In fact, it's our continual bottling that thing up and thinking I just have to move on past this thing. That I just have to run past something and dart into the next thing that causes us to never fully punctuate that ending. Because though I left the relationship, I still carried it with me into my next season. Because my confession of my grief and my confession of my loss allows me to fully set that thing down. Even though I walked out of my college and I walked across the stage and I graduated, I never learned how to celebrate that moment and I never learned how to punctuate that moment and I never learned how to acknowledge, God, I'm gonna miss this season and there are some things that I really loved about this and there are some people that it was great to be close to in this season and God, I just, I can tell that I'm feeling some loss around it and so you never really sit it down. That's why you're 28 years old, still trying to go out for Thirsty Thursday every Thursday night. Y'all thought I didn't know about Thirsty Thursday. I know where you be. But that season has ended for you. There needs to be some punctuation on that. Acknowledge the loss and acknowledge the grief because if you don't move forward, you will stunt your development and your growth for your future. We currently have one sippy cup left in our home. You know, like a cup that has a lid. And, and I made an announcement to my family last week. I want you to know when this cup goes, it's over. I will be purchasing no more sippy cups. Our sippy cup season has ended. Better is the end of a thing. Now, how ridiculous would it be if five years from now you came to my house and I'm passing out sippy cups to my kids who are now like 11, 8, and 7 or something? You'd be like, if you didn't say it to my face, when I left the room, you would be like, what is wrong with her? She is delaying the development of her children. Huh. How many of us are delaying the development of our soul because you won't let go of your sippy cup season? It's time to end that thing. It's time to punctuate that season. When this one ends, don't go back out and get another one. When this one ends, don't go find one just like the last one. Grieve that bad boy. Cry over it. Say you're sorry it didn't work out, but let the program die. We don't need it again. Let the program end. We don't need it anymore. Let the relationship die. It wasn't good for you anyway. Let it go. Let it go. Because better is the end of a thing. You can't take your last thing into your new thing. Behold, the new has come. And when the writer of Ecclesiastes says, let me give you some of my wisdom, 
Let me explain to you where this thing is going. Let me tell you what I've been talking about. He says, better is the end of a thing. And then he outlines, I think, three areas we have to keep a check on while we're moving from the ending into the beginning. He says, you need to check your pace. Check your pace. He says, be patient in this season. And don't, let's look at it. Can you jump back to, um, I didn't have it, but Ecclesiastes 7, and this is going to be verse, I think, 8 or 9. I want you to see it. Oh, no, don't take my word for it. But is the other thing, yep, next one, 9. It says, be not quick in your spirit to become angry. Oh, no, go back one. I might have skipped it. I'm sorry. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Here it is. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. If you are moving from an ending to a beginning, check your pace. Because our tendency is to run from my last ending into my new beginning. It's called a rebound relationship. You ran out of that old thing. And you didn't ask God what he was forming in you. And you didn't ask God what he was taking out of you and adding to you. And you didn't grieve the moment. And you didn't lose the moment. You just ran into the next somebody who happened to cross your path and run into because your pride is telling you, I'm going to fix this. And your pride is telling you, I know how to put this thing back together. But patience says, I'm going to steadily take my next step. And God, I'm not moving into my next thing until you tell me what I was supposed to get out of my last thing. God, I'm not moving into whatever is coming down the line until you show me what it is you're forming in me and what you're doing in me. You have to, when you are transitioning, check your pace. The next thing is you have to check your pulse. He says, keep an eye on your heart. Watch out for what gets stuck in your heart in your season of change and of your season of movement and of your season of ending. It is easy to let things get lodged. When, when scripture refers to your heart, it's not talking about your cardiovascular system. You get that, right? It's talking about the central part of who I am, the innermost of my inward being, the part of me that causes me to move Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence. Proverbs 4 and 23, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it comes the wellspring of life. That bitterness that you're carrying, it's because you didn't end the last season well. That resentment that you're walking with, it's because you didn't end the last season well. That anger that comes out of you at every little thing, it's not the car in front of you. It's because you let something get settled in your heart when you were supposed to have have a full stop moment rather than saying, I'm going to check on my heart and say, God, don't let anything settle in my heart. That's not what you have for me. The Old Testament prophet said, give us hearts of flesh, not hearts of stone. Make our hearts like flesh again, God, not hearts of stone. You have to check your pace. You have to check your pulse and you have to check your perspective. He says, do not say that the former days were better. How big is our tendency to say, I'm looking back, God, and it was so good before. 
Oh, we had it made in the former days. Oh, people knew how to act in the former days. Oh, the economy was great in the former days. Oh, people knew how to raise their kids in the former days. Oh, in the former days, we really had it made. We really knew. Oh, I know. It's so tight because you've said those things this week. I hear you. Nobody knows how to raise their kids anymore. Maybe. Maybe they're raising kids who know how to acknowledge the emotions that they have rather than stuffing them so we don't have to deal with them in the way that we've dealt with you over the last 20 years. Maybe. Maybe the former days were not as wonderful as you remember them to be. Maybe we have a tendency of looking back. Maybe there's something about all of us that always looks back. It's why they tell you to do, I don't know why I'm on relationships. Apparently some people need to end relationships. Because it's why they tell you to do things like if you're breaking up with somebody, write yourself a note about why you're breaking up with them. Because the likelihood of six months from now, when you're feeling sad and lonely, of you looking back at them and then saying, oh, you know what? That relationship was so nice. And they used to talk to me so good. And we used to go to places. Come on, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. I know some of you have been looking back at the former things. Do not look back at the former things and say it was better. This is not wisdom, is what Ecclesiastes says. It says you need to get your perspective in check. You need to look forward at what is coming forward. There is a reason that the windshield in your car is so much bigger than the rear view mirror in your car. Because what is coming behind you has relevance, but it is not near as important as what is coming ahead of you down the line. Do not look at the former things and say how great there were. There is something ahead of you. It is time for us to put a full stop moment in some things. It is time for us to look at some things in our life and say, it is better that this thing ends. It's better that I don't take it forward into my future. It's better because I'm not going to be in tomorrow who I was in my yesterday. I'm not going to be in my future who I was behind me. Let's look at the whole scripture that Paul wrote to those Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, this is what he says. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. That thing is dead. That thing is no more. That thing is not for you. That thing is not part of your tomorrow. That thing is not part of where God's taking you. Because behold, the new has come. There is something that God is walking you into and your past can't come with it. There is something that God is moving you into and you can't bring with you who you used to be and you can't bring with you who you used to. There is a deeply interconnected thing about things dying and things coming back to life that is central to our belief and is central to our faith. The whole thing hangs on the fact that Jesus laid down his life and died and went into a grave and said, I'm putting some punctuation right here that that thing is ending and this thing is coming. And because he was willing to end that thing, there was the capacity and the potential for resurrection life to come through him. 
There is a resurrection something coming into your life. There is a resurrection future. There is future potential for fruitfulness, but it cannot come until we learn how to say, better is the end of the thing. Better is the way that it ended. There is something that I'm laying down. There's something that I'm not bringing into my tomorrow. There's something that can't be part of my next. I know that all across this room, God's asking you to lay some things down. That all across this room, he's been speaking to you saying, I know it's kind of painful, but it's time. It's a season to end that thing. It's a season to put some punctuation on it. Holy Spirit, you're moving in this place. Just lift your hands where you are. I promise you that better is the end of a thing. I promise you that better is the end of a thing. 